Okay, welcome everybody. It's great to see you. My name is John Mandyke. I'm the CEO of Urban Green. Welcome to Urban Green Live. This is a program series where I'll be interviewing global experts uh, to better understand how we get to a net zero carbon future. And you get to participate too, because we're going to have live Q&A in just a little bit. Um, now, before I start, I want to thank uh, Carrier Corporation for sponsoring today's program and for their longstanding support to Urban Green. Thank you to Carrier. Um, for today's program, we're going to be using Slido for questions, um, as Ellen mentioned. So when we get to the Q&A portion, uh, please log into slido.com and use the code UGL17, um, and there's a QR code to make that easy for you. So today we're going to explore uh, the new Bureau of Sustainability for the New York City Department of Buildings. And I'm thrilled that my guest in studio today is Laura Popa. She's the new uh, Deputy Commissioner for Sustainability at DOB. Uh, Laura is a former board member of Urban Green, which we're really, really grateful, and previously previously spent many, many, many years, I'm not going to say how many, <laughs> but many years um, with a very long and distinguished tenure on the City Council Central staff. So, Laura, welcome to Urban Green Live. We're thrilled that you're with us here. Thank you so much for having me. I love uh, the space. It's great to be back. I'm really thrilled. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is great. So, let's get right into it, Laura. Okay. Tell us about the new Bureau of Sustainability. What's it all about? Yeah, so um, this is the first dedicated bureau uh, at the Department of Buildings um, just focused on sustainability issues. Uh, our charge is to spearhead all climate, energy efficiency, and sustainability initiatives at the Department of Buildings. And um, it supplements the already awesome team in place at DOB working on these issues. They have uh, incredible experience. And um, the goal was to kind of enhance that. And uh, this administration wanted to put a marker on Local on 97 and on reducing building emissions and making buildings more energy efficient. And so they established this bureau. I'm honored to be the deputy commissioner in charge of it. Um, we have a lot of work uh, ahead of us <laughs> to do. And, um, and it's really uh, an exciting time, I think, in the administration to be working on climate change. I bet. So yeah, you have a lot of work ahead, as you mentioned, I can only yes. imagine. What are some of your biggest challenges that you need to tackle? I mean, it's really, Local on 97 is <laughs> local on 97 is the biggest challenge um, that comes to mind. Um, it's about implementing the law. It's about figuring out uh, what the council left to the DOB to figure out. So there is a lot in the law that DOB has to make rules on and determine. Um, and we are still in that process. We need to uh, educate building owners about their responsibilities and then connect them with resources. So it's all about that implementation. I'd say that is definitely our biggest challenge uh, right now. Um, and so it's all hands on deck. So where are you with Local Law 97 right now? So we are, well, we have a final rule. So we just, uh, we published our rule in October. And we um, had a hearing on the rule in November. And uh, we actually came here to Urban Green, right? We did a webinar, right. uh, which was very popular. It apparently. was over <laughs> 800 of you joined us. For a that. lot of people came. 
And the content of the rule, it just in a nutshell, is um, it provided clarity or provides clarity uh, to building owners about how they calculate their building emissions. It converted uh, uh, occupancy types to uh, Energy Star portfolio portfolio manager property types, which uh, allowed uh, us to <clears throat> give buildings who are more energy efficient credit for being energy efficient. Um, it was a fair categorization and it was required by Local 97. Uh, there's also uh, clarity on how building owners can deduct um, solar and uh, DER and energy storage from their emissions. Um, and there's a methodology for time of use um, calculations. And so we, you know, we kind of went on the road with, with that. Um, and we had a hearing and hundreds of people attended a hearing. Normally, no one attends a nice. DRB hearing. Very popular. The new it, bureau is very popular. Yes, very popular. Um, it was it was amazing. There were over five and a half hours of testimony. And then we received, uh, you know, more comments after that. So we went through all of the comments and we finalized a rule. And uh, the rule... Uh, will be published in the city record on Tuesday. Ah, so this coming Tuesday, the rule. This will coming be out. Tuesday, the final okay. rule will be. You out. heard it here first. You did. You on did Tuesday, hear it here first. Look for the rule. Yes, in the city record. Um, and so that is kind of where we are with ninety-seven. The other thing um, that I want to focus on or emphasize is our advisory board report process is winding down. So we were required by Local 97 to set up an advisory board. Um, the advisory board has eight mayoral appointees and eight city council appointees, you know, industry experts, et cetera, important stakeholders. And uh, it was convened in 2019. So for three years, <laughs> the advisory board met. Um, we wound up doing climate working groups. So we brought in many more people than just the advisory board members. There were seven climate working groups. We had multifamily, commercial, energy grid, carbon accounting, hospitals, communications, and economic impact. I think that is seven, I hope it was. Um, and so we just leveraged, you know, as many experts as we could. Uh, you know, we owe phenomenal debt of gratitude to everyone who participated on that board. Um, and the end result is kind of twofold. One, you can see it in the, the first big rule. It's heavily informed by the advisory board conversations. Um, but secondly, we owe a report based on the law due by the end of the year. Um, and so we are now in the process of finalizing that advisory board report. And what the report is, is it's recommendations for the city, for DOB uh -huh. to consider in um, implementing local 97 and reducing emissions from buildings and making them more energy efficient. So that report should be out by the end of the year. We're also very excited about that. And then, you know, we'll be looking at those recommendations, you know, you know, going forward. Right. I'm going to come back to you in a minute and talk about what the future might be going to, but let's stay in the present for just okay. a second. Okay. So um, there's been a lot of energy around RECs, renewable energy credits yes, lately. Yes, I yes. know that was um, a hot topic at the hearing. Yep, main topic. Main topic's been in the, uh, in the press a lot too. Definitely. So where do things stand with renewable energy credits as they apply to Local Law 97? 
Um, so we want to figure out how uh, to apply RECS in Local 97. I think that's one of our top priorities and we are doing that analysis. We did reflect in our final rule that RECS can only be used to offset electricity emissions. And we think that's the fair way to do it. And that's the way that RECS are understood at the city and federal level. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's done. And so now we're actually working with NYSERDA <clears throat> to look at what they think the tier four RECS market is gonna look like, um, model out some scenarios on what it means for buildings reducing their energy emissions, really what it means for local law 97 application. Um, and then once we have that analysis, we'll, <clears throat> we'll come up with a proposal and then we'll move forward on it. So that's that's where we are with Rex. Okay. And so that'll be in, we'll look for that on Tuesday? <laughs> well, you can look for the electricity, right. yes, on Tuesday. And then the the others will be in the, in the new year. The Got rest it. will be in the new year. Got it. So, you know, I've uh, been having lots of conversations with people lately. And, and this next topic came up actually twice in the last week. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is uh, the little uh, mundane detail of square footage. Okay. Yes. Right. So, um, so much of local on 97 um, hinges on square footage. Yes. For calculation, for compliance. Um, and surprisingly, to me at least, it's not so straightforward how you calculate square footage. Okay. Um, so, how does DOB define square footage for compliance? So we're looking for all, every and all space in, in a building. Yeah. Um, the elevator shafts, the ducts, the works, just everything that so comprises the included. building. Got it's it. all included in the calculation for determining building emissions. Um, I guess that's different. Where, I don't, where the confusion may be lying is I think uh, design professionals, industry professionals kind of don't count those spaces when, when they're for zoning purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, but one easy way to look at it is it's the same square footage you use to benchmark. And so that we just directly took that and Got that's it. the local on 97. We are doing, um, a, an FAQ on our website. Um, and we get so many questions uh, about local on 97 and we're attempting to, you know, basically answer them and then put put that up on our website. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I'm sure there, there is, uh, text on uh, gross square footage on in our FAQ. Great, thank you. And you reminded me of something else and I'm gonna make a shameless commercial. Go here. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, the benchmarking data uh, is just out for, I guess, 2021. Um, and um, Urban Green Hazard's doing all the analysis. So look for January for our analysis on the, uh, on the latest benchmarking data that's coming out. So let's talk about the future. Okay. So um, local on 97, where's it going to go next? So we are, there is a lot to do. I will say that there is a lot to do. And we're working on the, the penalties and, and mitigation rule, um, which brings in this, this uh, concept of good faith efforts. So on, on that, I'll first say that our goal, the city's goal, is to help building owners comply with 97, not to find them. And we're, you know, working with that lens when we do this. Um, and so the, you know, we want buildings to invest in 
their building. We want owners to invest in their buildings. We want them to become more energy efficient, comfortable for tenants, healthier, all of those, all of those things. So Local 97 um, actually has a long list of aggravating and mitigating factors that DOB is required to consider when determining penalties. And so this, the first one is good faith efforts, which is the one everyone seems to be focused on. So we have to define what a good faith effort means. Not doing anything is not a good faith effort. <laughs> so I will say that. <laughs> um, but then, you know, what, you know, in the end, it's what does it constitute, right? And so in our mind, building owners should be, you know, planning for getting the financing and starting the work. Um, and I think this is particularly important for the, the 2030 deadline. We're really having people, we want them to mobilize for that mm -hmm. deadline. As you know, the 2024 deadline only captures 20% of buildings. The 2030 deadline is the one that captures most of the buildings in the city. Um, and, you know, we want people to do the work now, to comply now and not worry later or be caught up at the end of the deadline. Also, obviously, this work takes time. Financing takes time. You can't just try to do it in the last few months. That's never, never yeah, going to work. We're going to talk about that, too. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about that, too? Yeah. Yeah, that's never, that's never going to work. So we're kind of looking at good faith efforts with that lens, right? We want... So a co-op that is doing what they can and doing the work to meet their emissions limits and comes up short, we're not interested in penalizing that, that co-op. We're interested in helping them get there some way. Mm -hmm. um, I will say there, the, there are other factors. So part of the this mitigation rule and the penalties rule isn't just about good faith efforts. There are other things we have to define. So one of them is what's an unexpected or unforeseen event <laughs> in the law. We're supposed to be looking at that. So, you know, that could be, you know, there's, I'm making this up, there are no heat pumps available for three years, right? So how does that play into, you know, how you're, how you're complying? Um, you know, there's absolutely no workforce available. Um, there's financial, um, uh, I forget the exact language, but if, if, but basically how can a building access, if a building can access financing, that's a tough one. So we actually have to kind of draft rules around that. Um, there's one about facilities critical uh, to health and safety, which is obviously our hospitals. Mm -hmm. And so there's rules around that. So this is kind of all encompassed in our aggravating mitigating factors rule and our penalty rule. Again, just to emphasize, we want buildings to do the work. We wanna reduce the emissions. We're not interested you know, in, in, in having, you know, a hard, a hard look at, right. you know, just doing penalties. That's not helping anyone. It's certainly not reducing emissions. I'm not going to pin you down, but okay. I'm going to pin you down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, do you have a time frame for when you're thinking about releasing that next uh, batch of rules? I mean, we're, or rule? we're working on it now, you know, we're, we've been working on it. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be sometime, obviously, in the new year. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say it'll be in the first half of the new year. I think okay. I think that's 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 safe to say. That's good enough. First half. Yeah, and that's what we're looking for. But obviously, and now with the first rule that's being published, owners have clarity on what their obligations are, right. and people should not be waiting to see what you know what the penalties right. are to to be doing the work. In the bucket of what's coming next, what's what's DOB's thinking on the ten percent offset? Is like is that uh, in a, coming in another proposed rule? And like, 
when will that start to get so that is that is not a, a priority right now mm -hmm. where yeah that's that's not the priority right now obviously we still have to do it and it's important you know the offset market is is nascent uh, you know there it's the restrictions in the law are are significant on what it could even be um and so that's the type and we have a lot of these bucket uh, things where you have to do more study and analysis before you can come up with what it is mm -hmm. the advisory board didn't come up with you know anything for it um and so uh i mean anything specific there were some some there was some discussion and so that's just another item that we still have to cross off our list yeah the the, the up to 10 percent mm, right right okay um we, you you hinted at market readiness or lack of readiness or what, what that could be. You know, how is DOB assessing market readiness right now? Well, so so yeah, there are a number of factors obviously that constitute market readiness. It's the equipment availability. Um, it's it's uh, the the workforce availability, and and I'll have to say I have to say workforce availability has always been uh, a key point in discussion when we do sustainability laws. So back in the day, which was in the 0809, a really <laughs> long time ago, um, we did the greater greener package and one of the bills was the audit retro commissioning bill only at that 50,000 square feet or more. Um, and I remember there being so much conversation around, we don't have enough people around to do audits type of conversation um, and benchmarking as well. And I think that, you know, sustainability mandates drive a market. And um, for sure, Local 197 is driving a market. And so we're kind of keeping an eye out. We have our ear to the ground. You know, we're, you know, people coming to us with information about availability. Part of it is we wait and see how the market is moving. I think the other thing about market readiness, though, is related to financial available like available financing and so buildings have to be able to get that money there has to be that financial product on the market for buildings right to borrow so we have pace c pace commercial pace which is great and finally up and moving but it's limited as we all know um and so we're working with our partners in the city to bring other financial products to to the city that um that are for multifamily and also that um that don't have such a, a high limitation and what i mean by that is c pace you know lenders want you know a million five hundred thousand maybe loan and i and, you know a lot of buildings are absolutely not going to need that mm -hmm. big of a loan and so we want smaller smaller loans to be available to building owners so i think that's also part of market readiness making sure the financing is there got it my next question is um, also a follow-on to what you mentioned earlier is, you know, what happens if everybody waits till the last minute, particularly as we get to 2030? Yeah. I mean, are, are you thinking through that scenario and particularly like a simple thing, like an overwhelming flood of permits mm -hmm. at the DOB? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, time is not your friend on this, like right. earlier is better, but you know, how are you seeing things? Are you are there contingency plans or are there ways to avoid that? Don't wait to the last minute. <laughs> um, we are really focusing our efforts on mobilizing for 2030 right now. So we are 
trying to get a good snapshot of the buildings that, well, first of all, that have to comply in 2024 and like what they look like, where they're located, and then work with our partners at like Haned or NYSERDA to kind of like collectively target those buildings. Mm -hmm. And so I think, well, and so the same is true for 2030. Um, We're trying to use every forum available to like Urban Green Forums to just get the word out. I think doing the first big rule is a good push for building owners. I think it provides like the clarity, you know, they need in many ways. There are obviously still other issues we have to work out with with different items, but I think that's important. Um, The Accelerator is our friend. NYC Accelerator is the main vehicle that is connecting to building owners right now to help them comply. They have an all-out push. I don't know if you've seen their ads. Mm-hmm. They're great ads. The, the mayor even did a spot for them. Um, and so they're just out there connecting with building owners. They provide technical assistance and they hook them up with financial resources. And they also know about Local on 97. So they are letting them know how they need to comply, et cetera. So I guess we're mobilizing to get at building owners now to let them know the messages, do the work now, plan for the work now, and then you'll be there at 2030. And of course we have to staff up at DOB. Um, That's part of setting up the bureau. There's, you know, we're gonna have to be reviewing compliance reports. Um, That is a lot. And so we're figuring out, we want to make it as simple for building owners as possible. Great. Okay, we're gonna move, I have a few more questions and we're gonna move to Slido and because this is a live program, you get to see how the sausage is made. Uh-huh. Um, I've been locked out of Slido, so I need my <laughs> iPad unlocked. So when we get to the questions, um, I can actually read them, but please load them now and we'll continue Great. with what I have. Um, so um, you mentioned the accelerator. So what kind, what type of resources are available to help building yeah, owners that is our best, through Local 97? Yeah, that is our best vehicle. Um, you know, I don't know how many class A commercial office spaces is using it, but that's not the point, right, of Accelerator. Um, and so it's like a, it's a bespoke service, really. They're, you know, you, you're assigned a case manager and, and, and that person, you know, helps you, you know, let you know, here's where your building is at. Here's how far over you are from your emissions. Here, here are technical experts. Here's things you can do to get to where you need to do. And here's the financing we can hook you up with. Here's what NYSERDA has, Con Edison has, you know. Um, and they go out, they have their show on the road too. They we've partnered with them, you know, in some council member districts and and um on you know webinars. And so that's the main, the main resource really. Uh, and as far as questions about local 97 go, and you know, we have our own, you know, GHG emissions uh at buildings nyc.gov query box Mm -hmm. so people can certainly submit questions to us but the assistance is really from nyc accelerator great okay i'm back on slido and i can see all the questions coming in so keep them coming i just have a few more here um so you're in a really unique position in a very cool job right now in the sense that um you helped to draft local 197 when you were on the city council staff um and now four years later you're in charge of helping to implement it yes um kind of the yin and the yang here so i guess i'm curious to know which role is harder but then more than that maybe you could help the public understand what you know what is 
what are the different responsibilities of the city council versus the DOB when it comes to a big policy like this? Okay. Well, I'll start with the latter. Yeah. So the city council obviously uh, sets, well, sets policy for the city of New York. Um, they're the policymakers and they do that by passing legislation and also they share budgetary powers. So a mandate like this, a giant mandate like this has to come from the council, come from council requirements. And what happens when they pass a policy bill like this is they will leave the technicalities up to an agency like DOB. So this big bill passed with these policies and within those parameters, it was left to DOB to determine certain things. And that's what, what, what we've been doing and what we need to continue to do. The executive's the implementer. So, you know, we do have rulemaking power, et cetera, which obviously furthers policy, but really, you know, it's our job to implement the law and to enforce it, mm -hmm. right? And so that's kind of like broadly the separation there. Um, it, you know, getting the bill done at the council was a huge, a huge lift. And it was a, a, a very much a collaborative effort. I, I'll say that, and I worked, as you said, at a long time at the council and on all policy um, topic areas. One of the great things about the sustainability area is that there's a lot of collaboration it's the most it's one of the most collaborative topics i think for the council and the administration to work on um everyone just wants to get there it's very technical there's a lot of relying on outside experts when that includes obviously urban green who's been you know a phenomenal partner the whole time that we've been working on sustainability legislation at the council um and um and so it's a great big collaborative effort. This bill, that, that's what this bill was. There was a groundswell of support. Obviously, advocates played a huge role, role in that as well. And um, I kind of look at it as Local 97 as really beginning in, you know, 09 and before when we did the first green buildings bills, because the audit and retro commissioning bill actually had a retrofit requirement in it at one point building owners were required to make certain energy efficiency um, improvements if they got a payback within a certain number mm -hmm. of years. At the time, that just wasn't politically doable. So we had, we took it out. <laughs> um, and, um, and, you know, sustainable buildings was like really kind of a bit of a new thing, right? We didn't know one knew how, and it was only 50,000 square feet or more that the law applied to was 97 you know, applies to 25,000 or more. And so in my mind, it took over 10 years to do 97, mm -hmm. right? Eventually a, a new framework bill was introduced and then passed. And so, yes, now I'm on the other side implementing, um, I was able to hit the ground running, I will right. say, <laughs> um, because of- Did the, you wish you wrote the law any differently so you could you implement know, it? I can't answer that question. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to answer that question. But, you know, I will say this, when you write, when you draft a law, you know, you're guessing how it's going to operationalize, right. right? And then, then you have to, then I'm now I'm brought over to actually operationalize it. And it's, 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 it's challenging. Mm -hmm. It's really challenging. Um, you know, one of, you know, you know, it may be that we'll be making recommendations at a certain point, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, um, to do certain things. Um, 
with the law, but it is, it's, it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity to be on the other side, to implement it. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's a lot of work and, and I'm really excited to be doing it. Yeah. Great. Okay. I'm going to wrap up with two questions that we're going to depart local law 97 for a second. I'm sure great. we'll come back to it with the audience questions. Um, let's talk about energy code. Okay. Uh, another big part of uh, the DOB remit. Um, you know, where and when can we expect the new energy code? When's it coming? Um, what, what should we be looking for? Okay, so we're required um, to adopt NYSERDA stretch energy code. That's, I think, local law 32 of 2018. And for the last year, we've been working with NYSERDA on the code. Um, and um, it's almost done. And uh, the stretch code is. Uh, is um, I think there's a 25% um, on-site uh, on energy um, reduction based on, based on this new stretch code. There are elements uh, related to uh, being electric ready, being EV ready, being um, there are envelope requirements and um, I'm trying to think of what the other one was. Demand response controls. At any rate, um, we're at the stage where NYSERDA is doing this cost analysis they have to do. And then I think we can expect it early in the next year, mm -hmm. the residential and commercial. And there'll be an advisory board process, which is required by law, mm -hmm. and we will go through that. So it's coming um, and it's exciting. Um, it's very stringent. Yeah. So everybody's going to want to know when, from an effective date standpoint, what, what, what's your best guess on when that might be looking? You got to wait for NYSERDA, then you got to do the advisory board. So it's difficult to say. So we, we kind of run into our obligations to do an energy conservation code and the stretch code yeah. and to somehow sync those. So I actually don't have a good answer yet. I, it's a little complicated. Um, right now we're just working on getting the stretch code settled so we can then decide. So I don't, I don't have a good okay. date. Yeah. But sounds like it's going to be uh, a lot of the agenda next year. Yes, definitely. And it's very important. I know we talk a lot about local 97, but a huge amount of our work is, is the energy code sure. and we're expanding enforcement where to, you know, alterations. Great. Okay, my um, last question before I go to Slido, which still is working for me, okay, good. Um, is um, how are you thinking about resiliency? Um, you know, I was walking over here just today and I noticed there are new resilient panels uh, on the West Side Highway to stop the FDR tunnel from flooding. Yeah. Um, so that was like a reminder of like, yeah, stuff is happening, but like, like from a big picture perspective, how is DOB thinking about resiliency? So I always say that sustainable buildings are resilient buildings. Um, and and it's, it's, it really encompasses everything we do. And I'll go back to the energy code. I mean, you know, your tight building envelope means you have a resilient building and the, the, the stretch code is very stringent. So I feel like that is kind of our mandate, you know, on on the I, I will this kind of brings up in my mind grid resiliency though I have to say mm -hmm. um, apart from kind of building resiliency when we're talking about reducing emissions you know we have to talk about making our buildings more energy efficient because we need a resilient grid and when everyone moves to electric it's, we've got to be ready 
And so we are focusing our efforts on grid resiliency as well and working with Con Edison. Um, and that's something that, you know, I think is a city focus, it is. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that answers the question. Great. Okay, it's time for us to move to audience questions, uh, which we're very excited about. So um, ask your questions on Slido uh, and you can vote them up. So the number one question was about energy codes. So oh, okay. we've already answered that one, okay. so that's good. Um, so then a uh, second question here, other than OBEEP, what else falls under the uh, new bureau? So all of the um, energy code enforcement falls mm -hmm. under the new bureau. The um, the existing sustainability laws, the benchmarking, the auditing and retro commissioning, and the lighting retrofits. So when um, when we were doing in two thousand and nine, we did the lighting retrofit bill among others, and I I literally remember where I was when we were laughing about uh, you know January first, twenty twenty five. Like who knows where everyone's going to be, right? <laughs> It is, and now I'm there and I need to implement it. Yeah. Um, and so that is also under our purview. <clears throat> I will say that we are, one, one of the things we're trying to do is um, align the current sustainability laws with Local 97. We're trying to make it so there aren't lots of different um, reports due, et cetera. We wanna make it easier for building owners. So that's one of our charges and one of the things we'll be doing. We have to figure out how Local Law 97 interacts with benchmarking, with the lighting retrofit bill, with the auditing and retro commissioning bill. Um, and that's lit literally, I have a memo waiting for me to review on how we can better align those. Um, and that might, that that's exactly the type of thing that may require certain law changes at right. this point. But you know, when we wrote those, it was a really long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what we're looking to do. We're also kind of looking at alternative energy, but we haven't really had the bandwidth. And so we're hoping the Sustainability Bureau then like has the bandwidth for alternative energy projects. Got it. So uh, in, in the same vein of um, requiring authority to expand here, so the next question is intro 0237 may require buildings over 10,000 square feet to benchmark. Mm -hmm. Um, so is this any reasonable indicator that local law 97 could also apply later to these buildings? So I cannot speak for the city council. Right. Right. But that's clearly a city council decision. That is a city council decision. All of these laws were passed by the city council. It's right. not something DOB could ever do on their own. So you can't, DOB doesn't have the authority to change the, the, the threshold. Nope. Okay. No, that is, that is on the city council. Mm -hmm. I mean, the city, I will say this, the accelerator and NYSERDA and Con Ed programs all don't limit their services to buildings that are covered by Local 97. I can't emphasize that enough. In fact, a lot of money that's been drawn down from NYSERDA, for example, have, have gone to, has gone to electrify single family homes. So all, and Marianne Rothman did a great op-ed in the Daily News where she talked about, you know, it has everyone, it, it's all in for buildings on reducing emissions. It's not just about, mm -hmm. you know, the biggest buildings. And so I encourage all uh, buildings, regardless of size, to take care of, uh, to take advantage of, of NYC Accelerator. And, you know, that's not a mandate. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, something that can be of assistance. Save on your energy bills. Got it. So next question here, um, just give me a second to read this. 
Um, so it's about waste generated by tenants, um, recycling, organics, uh, containerization, all hot button issues. How is DOV involved? So we are not involved in waste generation. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not involved in waste, but obviously, you know, I'll speak more broadly yeah. about, you know, Plan YC or our long-term mm -hmm. city uh, sustainability plans, you know, have address waste. Um, waste is, you know, incredibly important. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's, it's a fairly, you know, good chunk of the city's emissions. Obviously buildings are two thirds. So that's, you know, it dwarfs in comparison. But I know the administration is focused on um, waste management and reducing waste um, and cleaning up the city. And so I think I'd say more to come on that in the new Plan YC. But um, but yeah, we don't we don't have really much to do with waste, and that's certainly not my bureau. Got it. Um, next question is a good differentiating question here: Is the discussion about RECs different from the ten percent yes. discussion? Yes. So. RECs are the renewable energy credits and the law ensures that it's about renewable energy that's delivered into zone J, which sinks into zone J, which is like what feeds into New York City. An offset is different from a REC. Um, and that's also why, by the way, RECs only apply to electricity. An offset is just a separate uh, item that um, has nothing to do with potentially New York City, which is part of what makes it controversial. Um, and you know, it, I'm, you know, making this up, it could be planting trees somewhere, mm -hmm. but again, I'm just right. making that up. Um, and you know, there's, there's not a lot of clear definition around what an offset is unlike a rec, which now the rec's market is already like thriving in New York city and uh, New York state. Sorry. So that's, that's the difference. Um, the law provides for, yeah, up to 10%, uh, potentially in, in offsets and, um, the law doesn't currently limit RECs. Mm -hmm. We have to we have to finish figuring out both, but we're certainly much further along finishing out figuring out RECs. Okay. Um, here's a professional question. I perform strategic decarbonization assessments for clients. I'm an engineer, but not a PE or an architect. Um, is there a path that I can become qualified to be an authorized building representative and submit reports to the DOB? Maybe you know that, maybe you don't. I but. don't, but I'll take that question back. Yeah. Like, can we make sure yeah, that, yeah, we'll I, yeah. yeah please, yeah. I'll take that back and get back to yeah. the individual. Okay, great. Uh, next question, any update on carbon trading rules? There is no update on carbon trading rules. The city did a report. Mm -hmm. The report was made public and issued. And um, there is nothing right now that DOB is working on related to carbon trading. Okay. Next question, um, will there be a minimum amount of space or type percent of total gross square footage to break out different space types? For example, I have a data center in my building, but it's only 2% of the square footage. Can we include that area with a larger office space? So I guess it's a question of mixed use spaces. I think that's pretty well defined. Yeah, uh, it, how you, how how you, you calculate. calculate that in the law, but I will have so, like someone can speak to this individual yeah. and take them take them through that so yep. that'll be something else I'll, I'll i'll take back for the technical people got it um time of use credits is there any information on uh energy consumptions and penalties or credits um 
I understand that battery storage technology reduces CO2 emissions by curbing peak demand. So maybe just total your thoughts on time of use. And... So we're so time of use is important because it supports energy efficient operations, right? Mm -hmm. And we are trying to make the ability to calculate time of use simpler. That requires working with the state and night and mm -hmm. the NISO to get to get that done. So I'll I'll say I'll say on that. You know, it's a very important, and I what we want more than just sophisticated buildings to be able to use that. Mm -hmm. And and I, and and I'm and, and even those buildings, I'm sure, want you know something easier. So, on the energy storage, we do in our first rule have deductions from emissions for energy storage in certain cases that solar and um, and DER. And so I would encourage the individual to look at our rule and if they have further questions to to email us. Great. So there's this interesting dynamic in the sense we talked about the council and administration yeah. council DOB dynamic. Of course, there's a, also a state overlay Absolutely. dynamic, right? So this questions about that is, you know, what aspects of the CLCPA plan are a primary interest in DOB? So what do you like, what are you looking for next at the state level? So CLCPA is 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 fantastic for for us for the city you know for climate change um, we um, you know we we are in our rule we are you know looking to be carbon neutral by 2050 and that's certainly spurred by the state's goals we we need to reduce our emissions and electrify but we need the state to decarbonize the grid um, and you know. Uh, put, uh, make the grid uh, clean and and renewable. So it's it's a very it's very synergistic, um, and so we really are looking um, at the state level for you know more clean renewable energy to come into New York City. Really, in coinciding with our law, you know we already set the emissions limits for the city. We don't need the state obviously to you know deal with that, but we need. There, you know, we need the cleaner energy in New York City, and I also will mention NYSERDA. They've been an incredible partner to us. There's some really talented people at NYSERDA who came from the city and now are, you know, working with us. Um, it's like the old crews back uh, together, I have to say. Um, they're helping us with the REC study. They're helping us look at industrial uses. Um, and what, you know, if there should be a particular metric for that, I mean, right now, Local 97 is a one size fits all for industry, but, uh, you know, can you really compare, you know, a place that makes a lot of bread with like a place that recycles all the paper in the city, mm -hmm. you know, it's really kind of difficult. So we're working with them on what that might look like. We're working with them on um, a possible energy efficiency metric to overlay over the carbon metric. This is something the law asks um, us to look at and so they're our partner with that so i guess what i really want to say is the state is just a great um collaborator with us here um and in particular nicerta okay next question here uh about small smaller buildings um is the bureau focused on uh ways Where'd that question go we jump around here um just jumped out Anyway, the question was, is the Bureau focusing on ways that you can reduce uh, energy or carbon in buildings under 25,000 square feet? So, you know, our energy code, this is about new buildings and, and renovations. Mm -hmm. Our energy code group 
um, and staff is definitely focused on helping all buildings, regardless of size, reduce their 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 footprint. That is, you know, incredibly important. As far as our our mandate goes, you know, we are we are focused on the bigger buildings with 97, but again, the accelerator, you know, is 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 available to help everyone. So that's how I how I parse it out. Okay. Uh Related to energy storage, how are DOB and FPNY working together to advance the feasibility of indoor energy storage? Yeah, we um, there has been collaboration with FDNY for several years now, um, and you know uh, the mayor's office of climate and environmental justice is kind of you know spearheading that. That's when we have interagency collaboration. Oftentimes, we you know the you know. A mayoral office is is a good you know steerer, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so that is that is ongoing. Um, and you know we're always trying to find ways, obviously, to make energy storage um, easier for buildings. For the new stretch code, um, there will be a kind of uh, requirement to like be energy storage ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, of course, that's great for new buildings. It's always easier to touch new buildings, but the existing buildings, you know, you always have that issue of where the space is and where it's safe to put. And so we continue to work with FDNY on that. Got it. Um, here's an interesting question, the, the, the perennial difference between energy and carbon. Um, this question, the, the gist of this question is there are buildings that could meet the energy code that would be out of compliance with local law. Right. So your thoughts on longer term energy code, carbon, are, are we moving to a world eventually where these two be, come together? I think so. Um, you know, the policy to address emissions or to do an emissions metric was set out by, you know, by the council. Mm -hmm. um, but as I said earlier, as you know, we can't just reduce emissions, we need to make buildings more energy efficient. So there has to be some alignment there. And, and, and also I mentioned the, the energy efficiency overlay metric, which is something that we're working on um, to analyze. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I know that people have been asking for like one metric, one, you know, mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know when that'll be yet, but, um, I, yeah, I, I see it happening for sure. I just don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a question about, you know, how, how do, uh, are there details about local on 97 building owners? How will they report their emissions? Will it be aligned to benchmarking? Report? Right. So that's what we're trying to work on. We're trying to work on a system where it's easy. I, in an ideal world, there'll be one report. I'm not saying there's going to be, but mm -hmm. I'm just saying <laughs> we're in 97 benchmarking, you know, lighting, auditing, retro commissioning um, is done there. You know, now there's always caveats to that. The auditing bill doesn't apply to buildings 25 to 50,000 square feet. So mm -hmm. for, in, for instance, right. Um, and, you know, benchmarking data is obviously incredibly important. Also in 97, you have to remember that it applies differently to different building types. So certain what I'll just call affordable housing doesn't have to do a yearly report for 97. But we certainly still need benchmarking data from those groups. Mm -hmm. So we have to based on what applies, you know, 
what building type applies to 97 and, and the application of all the other sustainability laws determine what's the easiest way. That's our goal. What's the easiest way for building owners? Got it. Here's a question from Dick Lee. Dick is a, a former Urban Green staff alum uh, uh, in our research. Oh, I know. Group. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dick's question is on recs for electrical use. A case can be made that due to New York State's aggressive plans for carbon-free power, the purchase of recs over this period will not result in yet more greenhouse gas emissions. Um, you mean emissions reductions? Emissions reductions, I'm yeah. sorry, mm -hmm. while building improvements would. Mm -hmm. um, so his question is, is this part of your discussion with ISERVA? Yes. Yeah, understanding the recs market is part of our discussion. I believe recs aren't even available till late 2026 i think that's the latest so that doesn't even recs don't even come into play for the first compliance period really mm -hmm. right buildings the first 20 percent are, are 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 due to comply in 2024 so that's also in our you know in our consideration we certainly want localized air quality improvements local jobs mm -hmm. um and so there's there has to be a balance there has to be some good balance and that's what we're seeking right uh, next question here is on resiliency. Um, I'm going to reframe it a little bit, but you know, basically, is the department or the city thinking through a process like, do we need to up update our resiliency codes, or what's the process of thinking through future resiliency codes? So I, I think the city, and this is a, a broader kind of, I'll call it a broader plan YC issue, is is looking at you know their own capital planning and you know how we build all of the infrastructure in the city and you know with a view towards ensuring that it's all about resiliency and sustainability so i do i, I that is a primary goal for the city um I, more to come on that um i guess I think that person might be saying, you know, are you going to go look through the codes, you know, for for more, you know, more ways to make it uh, make buildings resilient. After Sandy, we convened mm -hmm. with Urban Green, right, the Building Resiliency Task Force, and we came up with many recommendations that were put into law um, around those issues. And so I'd say that would be a joint. If we did that, that would be a joint effort with the council. Mm -hmm because they're the ones who would have to change the law. Again, DOB is like the implementer. We can do rules, but we can't change policy. Mm -hmm. um, and so that would be an interesting effort. We'd be calling on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's been a lot of talk, frankly, about do we need a building resiliency task force mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. to assess? It's been 10 years already. Right, so, yes, I mean, yeah, that's right. Over the 10 years, the climate has changed substantially and what the threats are. Absolutely. That would be fun. <laughs> Let us know. Okay. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> um, another question related to workforce here. Um, like what type of workforce development do you think is important or what does DOB think about when it comes to local on 97, 2024, but then 2030? This is a very, this is, this is, you know, one of those issues where you're waiting for the market to drive and the mandate to drive, you know, what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it, you know, local workforce development is very important for New York City, obviously. One challenge with these type of jobs 
for the most part is that it requires a lead time for training, right? It's not like you show up and, you know, you can, you know, install an HVAC system, right? Like, so, you know, so that's, that's one challenge. Um, another thing around it is kind of, I guess, if we're, as we move towards electrification, is the workforce there to do the type of work we need them to do? And then I, you know, you have to have the workforce available to maintain afterwards too, mm -hmm. right? And so I think, you know, it's important. It's really about working with industry and we need to take cues from the industry. Um, you know, we hear sometimes, oh, we're worried that there's, you know, not enough work, you know, workforce available for this type of work, et cetera. And then kind of, then we have to pivot quickly and see, well, how can we do that? So it's about working with industry, working with Con Ed, working with NYSERDA, working with our agency partners um, and, and kind of watching the market really. Mm -hmm. You mentioned electrification. Is there a role for DOB to accelerate electrification beyond local Y97? Well, I'll, well, a couple things. One, I, I am gonna have to talk about in terms of local Y97. The one, some of the advisory board discussion um, did center around how to incentivize electrification, early adopters. Mm -hmm. And so one thing we're looking at is how can we reward early adopters um, using an incremental approach, right? Because you can maybe not turn over all your systems at once. And I think that is certainly a way that DOB can support electrification. And then there's how we and the city are trying to draw down incentives with the state with IRA funding, that would be brilliant mm -hmm. um, if there could be um, funding for that um, for affordable housing. And so I think it's a combination um, of incentives and of, well, it is incentives, but it's like, again, the different types of carrots, financial incentives, and then with local and 97 compliance. Got it. Well, we're at the top of our hour already. That was this, fast. Yeah, with this great conversation and the great questions from our audience. So I really appreciate that. I really want to thank Laura. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for joining us in studio here for uh, the fascinating discussion. Um, and appreciate all that you're doing at the Department of Buildings and all, all of your colleagues uh, to make our buildings better in New York City to get us to a lower carbon future. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to give another shout out and thank you to uh, Carrier for sponsoring today's program and helping to make our work uh, possible throughout the year. So thank you to Carrier. And thank you to all of you uh, for joining us today. We really appreciate that. This is the final program for Urban Green for 2022. We have a fantastic lineup in 2023 that you will see soon of programs like this. Um, and other unique ways that we're going to bring um, information that you need um, through different formats um, and different topics uh, throughout the course of 2023. So stay tuned for that. So for all of us at Urban Green, we wish you and yours a very happy and healthy and safe holiday season. We'll see you next time next year. Thank you.